1: morning y'all see this God is so good I'm gonna tell you how good he is that song they just sang in the eye of the storm think about that for a minute I'm sorry I'm a pacer when I talk I may end up over there in a minute I'm just gonna let God be God y'all okay If I start crying, if I start running, if I start shouting, just join me. Okay? Yeah! Woo! Y'all don't hear me. (sighs) The eye of the storm. Almost two weeks ago, I got a text from my brother-in-law. God, you're so good. They were calling in the family. They said, you better come say your last goodbyes. I'm just going to flow Pastor. Sorry, I'm shaking. I'll try to shake that in a minute, right? Mm. Mm. So I called my wife and I said, Well, I got to go to Iowa. Sis is not doing good. As I was flying across those states, I was above those clouds and I said, God, you got to be with me through this because I can't do this on my own. And I'm not crying to make y'all cry. I'm just overjoyed at what God did. I walked into that hospital room. There was about 15 of my relatives in that room. It was me and my stepmother was the only ones that saved. And uh, as I walked up to my sister, my sister weighed a whole hundred and seven pounds soaking wet. She was about this big around her arms were. She's not like that no more, praise God. And I'm so thankful. She's starting to gain her weight. She's starting to eat, drink. Oh. As I walked in when I got closer to the bed all she done was her eyes she could not turn her head she just looked at me and then she looked away and I just looked at everybody and I said I have to lose the room for a minute and this is where the eye of the storm what they were singing about a while ago this was the eye of the storm for me and I was walking down that corridor, the hallway, and I said, God, what what is it? What what is what is my purpose here? You know, what what is it that you're wanting me to do? He said, I brought you here for one thing and one thing only, and that's to pray for your sister. When I went back in there, Pastor, I'm going to, have to sit down for a minute. <clears throat> when I went back in there, all I could say to my sister was, "Is I love you." She couldn't understand what I was saying because her ammonia levels were so high. Let me just let you know right now. The devil is a liar, okay? God's word is true. I don't care what anybody says. I didn't pray for her at that precise moment. The doctor come in, he got me, my brother, my stepmother, and my brother-in-law, and we went over to the family room and he started asking us about arrangements. And I looked at that doctor, <clears throat> and I said, I know what you're saying, doctor, and I understand what you're saying, but my God says that he's going to give her life. God said he is life, y'all. That's what we were praying about back there this morning. When God breathed into Adam, he gave him life. He gave it more abundantly. The doctor said she has five to seven days. I just listened to what he said, and I went down that corridor like I was talking about a while ago. Sorry I took that little rabbit trail. But I found myself sitting on the carpet crying. And I said, God, I don't ask for much. Not at all. I don't. You can ask my wife. I'm not like that. I just believe God, you know. I said, God, I ask you this one thing. Would you spare her? See, alcohol is a destroying thing, y'all. It's a lie straight from the pit of hell. It may not catch up with you right now, but eventually it's going to do some damage to your organs. But God, every time God intervenes, he don't want to know what you're thinking in your head. He wants to know about what your heart condition is. That's what he's looking for. It's all about the heart, y'all. I'm looking out amongst all these people today. I was talking to a good brother of mine. His name is Bill McCall. And me and Bill's been talking about this for a while before this even happened. So many times in my life, I tried to fill up that void with all kind of stuff. And That's what it is, Stuff from material things, to alcohol, to smoking pot, taking pills. But see, I'm free. I'm free. And that's what that's what I'm saying over this whole congregation. You are free. Jesus said, I come to set the captives free. He said, and if you are free, you're free indeed. He didn't say maybe. He said, you are free. He paid that price for you. Right? I went on and spent the night at my brother-in-law's house. And we got up the next morning and went. And I was telling another brother of mine this other night when I went over to his house. And when I got there that morning, the next move she made because I just kept believing God. I said, "God, you are the healer." And what I mean by that is, when Jesus went to the tomb of Lazarus, He said, "Come forth." He called him after he'd done been dead for how many days? Four days, and He called him up out of there. He was dead. The grave could not hold even Lazarus because of Jesus. Well, see, the grave and the sting of death, you know what? It couldn't even hold my sister because of Jesus. It says that obedience To the voice of God is better than sacrifice. That's what it says. We got to slow down in life and and just be quiet. When am I going to hear from God? Well, make your body shut down for a minute. Make your mind stop and listen to God. Not here. You can't hear him here but you'll hear him here. That's where you're going to hear him. I'm sitting here, I'm standing here just shaking, telling all of you this. When we went back to the hospital that day, this is what my sister done. And this is all she could do the fourth day when I was there. This is what she done. Four days after I was there. How many days did he give her? Seven days. I still had three days. I kept believing God. I said, God, your word says that by Jesus' stripes, she is healed. It's already done. He didn't say he might heal her. He said, I already paid for that for you. I said, I, God, I believe what your word says. I don't believe what the doctor said. I know what he said. But your word is true. I just kept praying over her. Every day I'd go in there and believe in God. The next day we went back. Now all of this time we was having to force her meds down her with our finger so that she could swallow her meds. We had to force feed her everything she ate, okay? God just kept telling me, keep pushing, Rick. You just keep on doing what I'm telling you to do. Keep going, keep going, keep going. That's what I did. I kept pushing. I didn't give up. See, God didn't give up on me. As Gary Wilson said one time, man, if Richard Parvin got saved, <laughs> I know the Lord Jesus is coming. <laughs> Y'all don't understand. I was a basket case. Right, brother? But God. See, I ain't gave up on my sister, and Gary didn't give up on me Although I was something else in high school, he never gave up. He'd still tell me about the Lord, not, man, you better get away from me. That's what I'd say to him. I didn't want to hear it. But now the more that I realize Jesus is real and he's alive and he's sitting by the right hand of Father God right now, and he's hearing exactly what I'm saying because I'm telling you the truth. I may not be using a whole lot of scripture, but I'm telling you that God is real. I don't know why I keep pacing around the podium like that. There's a reason. Every day she kept getting better and better and better. I'm not going to take up a whole lot of this, but I'm just going to tell you that We kept feeding her. Kept taking her meds. You know what she liked more than anything? Yogurt. That's what she loved. Yogurt. We fed that to her every day. Mashed potatoes and gravy. She couldn't eat no solid foods, right? The first day she stood up. Stood up. Y'all still ain't hearing what I'm saying. She got up out of that bed. After the doctor told me, well, you might as well go on and make arrangements. I said, no, that ain't what my God said. See, the devil will come to you and he'll tell you it's over. But what did God tell you? Is it over? Which report are you going to believe? Which report? I believe God. I heard this, say, this saying once upon a time, said, if I believe in God and there wasn't a God, then I didn't lose nothing. But if there is a God and you didn't believe, you lost everything. His presence is in this place right now. My sister was bound up by a chain, a chain of alcohol. She is no longer bound up by that chain any longer. She's set free, y'all. It's over, it's over. I talked to her yesterday, you ready for this? They told me seven days. I keep going back to that, right? Well, then you tell me how come she's walking down in the rehab, in the corridor. Why is she walking in a walker? Is, is God real? This this is not a sad story, y'all. This is real. This happened right before my eyes. And I said, you know what, God? I give you all the glory, all the honor for everything that you're doing. Because, see, it's never about us, y'all. My pastor said this when I called him, and he said, Rick, I love you, man. And you're so right. Humility. Because it's never about you. He put you here for one reason, and that's to help your fellow man. That's the reason why we're here. Oh, well, I got a job, I got a family, all of that. There's so many people out there beyond those doors that need us, that need us. Even when you walk into the grocery store, it ain't about coming in here on Sunday, y'all. That is not what it's about. It's about when you go into the grocery store or you go get you a movie or you go do this, you go do that. If God tells you to do something, don't ever doubt that he's telling you to do it for a reason. There's people out there that need what you have inside of you. You know? There's hurting people out there. My sister said to me last night, I love you, bro. That's the first time she could talk to me. In almost two and a half weeks. So you can't tell me there ain't God. You just can't tell me that. I love you, Pastor. And I love you, Angie. And I love your kids. But I have to say something else. And I love you too, sweetie. Don't you never doubt Rick wasn't you was right there with me. I was lifting you up the whole time. You know what I'm saying? Everybody has a purpose. Everybody. God is so good, y'all. He's so good. Mm. I was so nervous about this morning. And I just said, I looked at my wife and I said, I'm just going to try to relax and tell y'all what really happened. But it's amazing to see God move like that. Because our God is a miracle God, y'all. He shows up and shows out when you least expect it every time. Every time. I just want to tell y'all thank you and I appreciate all your prayers for Miss Diane and for my sister. I love my church home and I thank God for it. Thank y'all.
0: God's a miracle working God. Come here, lady, let's do a jig. Three weeks ago, she had a stroke. Hallelujah. Come on, let's dance. <laughs> Sit your crazy self down. <laughs> that was a moment in time where she couldn't make a coherent sentence, and now she won't shut up for nothing. <laughs> we thought we had it made there for a minute. Then Rick went on and prayed for her (laughs) Jeremiah 32, 27 says Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh Is there anything too hard for me? What could be too hard for God? Come on now Jesus said, didn't I tell you Didn't I tell you that you would see the glory of God if you would just believe? You can see it. You can see it, Leon. Just believe. You're going to see the glory of God. Hallelujah. I got a few questions before we leave today. My first question, am I going to carry the mic? Okay. I got a headset, but I'll carry it. What makes Jesus so mad he wants to cry? Turn to John 11. We're going to find out what makes Jesus so mad that he want to cry. You see, they had summoned Jesus to come help Lazarus because Lazarus was sick. But Jesus didn't get there before he died. People are saying, well, maybe Jesus don't care. How many knows that Jesus got his own timing? He's never late. He's never early. He's going to get there when he gets there. And he got there <laughs> just as the funeral's over. Like he said, Lazarus been in the tomb four days. Oh, well, he ain't been in a tomb four days, but he been dead four days. You know what it probably looked like. There was solemn hush talk, you know, after the funeral and all. People walking around in black suits and black dress. I don't know if they, maybe sackcloth and ashes. I don't know what they wore back then. Eating fried chicken, you know. <laughs> Whatever they did at funerals back then. But Lazarus was already in the tomb now. <laughs> they had to roll a big stone up in front of it because of the smell of death. I don't know if they did all that embalming stuff that they do today, by now his sister said, he stinketh. (laughs) It wasn't looking good for Lazarus. It wasn't looking good sort of like when they called you in and said her organs are shutting down, called you in, family, come on, let's make arrangements. Well, the arrangements have already been made for Lazarus. He was in the tomb. And Martha heard that Jesus was on the way, and so she ran out to meet him. And Martha is full of what ifs. Well, she thinks it's over. She thinks it's got to happen on her timing, the way she understands it with her brain, or it's over. She said, well, if you'd have been here, Jesus, things could have been different. Jesus, you know, if you'd have got here early, I don't know what you was doing, Jesus, Jesus. But if you'd have got here early, I I know he'd have been okay. You could have saved him. Verse 23 of John 11, Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. So the word has been spoken. Right there, the word was spoken. (laughs) And Martha, I guess in her hushed funeral tones, I can imagine, she said, yes, you know how they do the platitudes at the funerals. He will rise again when everyone else rises on on the last day. Bless his soul. In verse 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection, dear. I am the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And Martha, I am is in the present tense. And I am here today. I am here right now. And now faith is. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now faith is. Is it ever too late for Jesus? Martha didn't know how to take it. She ran and got married. Mary heard Jesus. She got up and run off. She come, here come Mary and the mourners. Sound like a gospel trio or something. Mary and the mourners. And the sweet, I don't know. Anyway, they got got there. And in verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger. Whoa, wait a minute now, Jesus. At a funeral? (laughs) What you getting mad about? You're supposed to be not angry. A deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. And if you're going down to verse 35, it says Jesus wept. The shortest verse in all of the Bible, but probably the most profound. God cried. You think he don't have feelings. He's some far off old man in the sky. Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Jesus wept. What was he crying about? I think it'd be important to find out what what made Jesus cry, what made him angry. In verse 38, it says, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. So they took off walking, and before he got there, he's still mad. This done got him angry. A cave with a stone rolled across his entrance. And then we know what happened next. Jesus spoke the word. He prayed. He said, God, I'm praying It's just so that they can hear. You already know what I want to happen. I already told you. But just so they can build up their faith, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Lazarus, come forth. And Rick's sister came up off the bed. My mama come about to rehab. Whatever miracles you're experiencing in your life, they happen when God spoke it. And in verse 40, I love this. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you? Look at your neighbor and say, didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you that you would see the glory of God if you would only believe? Didn't I tell you, Rick, you would see the glory of God if you would only believe? What's our response to the spoken word from God? Believe. (laughs) I don't want to be the one that makes Jesus mad. What about you? I don't want to make him cry. I believe when we know him, see these people that he's, when he was weeping in front of these were his friends. Martha, Mary, and Lazarus was some of his best friends on the earth. When we know him, but we still doubt him, it makes Jesus mad, mad enough to cry. That's the answer to the first question. Question number two. If we know him, Why don't we ask for his help more? Now, Brother Rick, you said I don't ask God for much. You don't receive because you don't ask. Brother Rick, come on now. If you could believe that for your sister, what else could you believe believe for your sister over here or your brother back there? And I'm not getting on you, Brother Rick. You're showing the way. You're showing what's possible to him that believes. What if we all believed? What if we all asked? Like you said, step in on behalf of your brothers and sisters. Why don't we call on him to help more? Some people let Jesus in their boat, but they want to do all the rowing. I can see a lot of you guys rowing on this side, rowing on that side. Every day I got to get up and row some more. We just let Jesus sleep in the back. I ain't going to ask him for nothing. I'm going to do all the work myself. <laughs> we only call out to him when the storm arises. All of a sudden, the boat doing this number. Then we call out, Jesus, don't you care? We're we about to drown. What? You ain't talked to Jesus in months. Suddenly, it's all Jesus' fault that the storm has arose. <laughs> I can see Jesus now getting up off his bed, straightening his pillow out, and the boat doing this number here. <sighs> Jesus in his time, and you know, sometimes we wish it. Come on, Jesus! It always happened when we wanted to. But Jesus walks up to the front of the boat with the wind and the waves. Hush. <sighs> Peace, be still. I'm trying to get a sleep. What happened? The wind and the waves obey him. And then he says in Matthew 8, 26, he said unto them, Why are you so fearful, O oh, ye of little faith? Say little faith. Why they got little faith? Because they don't use their faith. Why you got little muscles? You don't exercise them. (laughs) Faith you don't use becomes faith you lose. You need to be building yourself up in your most holy faith every day so when the storm arises, you can stand on the front of the boat and believe God. (laughs) Question number three. Why do we say, God, don't listen to me? God don't hear me. You know, there were some Pharisees over in the corner whispering about Jesus outside of the range of a normal hearing. They was conspiring against him. Guess who heard them? Jesus did. They was trying not to be heard too bad. He hears everything. In Luke 5, it says Jesus knew what they were thinking. He wasn't guessing what they were thinking. He knew what they were thinking. Before they even said, do you know God knows your thought life? He divides the, the intents of your heart. He knows what you're thinking before you say it. He knows those thoughts that you don't even want him to know. And he loves you anyway. I'm telling you, sometimes we got to stir ourselves up about this love of God because we know ourselves. <laughs> He certainly hears our prayers. I could go to 50 scriptures that say, you know, his ears are open to the righteous, but I'll, I'll pick this one. 1 John 5, 14 says, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. He hears us. But what if you ask something that ain't according to his will? Some people say, well, I don't like this wife you got, God, give me a another. One. Well, that's not scriptural. He hears you technically, but he's not going to answer that one. But I put this one in here just so you know that you can't just ask for anything because we're talking about faith. Got to ask according to his will. But if you ask according to your will, you know he hears, and you know it's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's his good pleasure to answer those kind of prayers. So why are we not asking? Because we don't believe he hears. Why don't we believe that? Jesus was walking along. With his, his whole entourage, all of the disciples, thousands of people thronging him, going through this big city. He got beggars over here on the side of the road crying out, blind people, little men up in the trees everywhere he went. He got Jairus back behind him saying, hurry up, Jesus. My daughter died. Come on, push him along. And the disciples saying, everybody clear back. Everybody wanting to touch him in his little old frail little woman's Been bleeding for 12 years. Years. Probably so pale you could see through her. She's probably so weak that she could barely get out of bed. But she fights this crazy crowd. She's thinking, but, but if I could just touch Jesus, if I could just get to him. She probably got down on her knees and, and, and fought the crowd and, and reached out with everything she had and just touched her, just a piece of his robe. Jesus stopped. He may not have heard it in the bustle, in the hustle, and the, the crowd that we live in, and all this, but he don't have to hear it. He can feel it. Jesus felt somebody reaching out. She didn't say nothing. But Jesus hears. Jesus knows. And he's waiting on you to verbalize it. So he turned around he said, what is it that you want? He asked her some questions. He wanted her her to activate her faith. But she had already activated it, come to find out. Healing virtue had already left him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Reach out. We're scared to reach out. We don't believe God hears us. He hears. Question number four. Why are we so easily distracted? What would you say, Pastor? Uh Mark 4.19 says, The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. You remember last week I talked about the devil holding that carrot out just beyond your reach and we just chasing along like some fools. That's what riches are. The deceitfulness in it. They lie to you. They tell you that, that if you get all these riches, you're going to be fulfilled. If you get this, if you get that boat, man, you are at the lake on Sunday, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you're going to be good. We won't see you no more till that inner tube blows up. <clears throat> the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in chokes the Word, and makes it unfruitful. Your desire for the Word, you can't love God and money. Your desire for this world is is getting a chokehold on this Word and making it unfruitful in your life. He's talking about your heart. What kind of ground is the Word being planted in? The love of money chokes out the Word. It's a killer of your faith. In a recent study, They studied people that make $30,000 a year. And then they studied people to make all the way up in the range, all the way up to people that make $8 million a year. So they went from $30,000 to $8 million. And they asked them simple questions about what would make them happy. And all across the range, they thought they would get different answers that rich people would think differently than regular folk. But all across the range, you know what they said? I would be happy if I just made 25 percent more a year. The rich people said the same thing that the people making 30,000 made. If I could just get 25 percent more than I did last year, I would, be, I would be doing good. I would be happy. That's what would make me happy. You know what? A, what will happen if you make 25% more this year? Your standard of living will go up, and next year you'll need another t- more 25%. When are we going to be content with the things we have? When are we going to stop fighting with them Joneses? We got a race to run, but it ain't against the Joneses. <laughs> mm. The rich young ruler walked away sad. If, he's, if riches is what makes you happy, why did the rich young ruler come after Jesus in the first place? If he had it all together, he had everything he needs. If, if monetary gain is the sum of all, is, is, is the end game, it's what we're after, if he has it all, why is he still looking? Why is he coming to Jesus? says he walked away sad. And I don't think he was the only one that walked away sad. Because I see in the story it says Jesus somewhere during that conversation looked at him and loved him. I think when it was over, Jesus walked away sad too. Mm, The deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things, compromise with the things of the world, not being able to see from a higher perspective, not being able to see past this weekend, not an understanding of heavenly things. Not got your eyes set on things above, but set on the things below. Jesus told him, he said, there's one thing you lack. Say one thing. He said, you know, sell all you have and give to the poor. But I think what he was really mean is you need this one thing. You need an all-in type of saving faith. A saving faith is an all-in faith. It's a you're-the-Lord faith. It's not that I'm going to say this prayer and do my thing faith. It's all-in, you're the Lord, and I surrender and I repent kind of faith. That's the one thing he was lacking. Say one thing. Number five. Why would we ever think sin is worth it? Ain't a person up in here doesn't know Romans 5, 8, as it is, it says the wages of sin is death. You know there's a payday coming. I mean, it's fun for a season, but it's going to cost you way more than you're willing to pay. Boy, when payday hits, you're going to be saying, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Every time, every time. (laughs) What's wrong with us? Matthew 23, 37, Jesus is coming into the city of Jerusalem. And he looks over the beautiful city. He says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. I'm glad we ain't still doing that today. (laughs) They didn't want to hear it. He said, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings. She may live in the shadow of the Almighty, but you wouldn't let me. No, you want to go outside my protection. You want to go wandering off like you're going to find greener grass on the other side. And now, look. Your house is abandoned and desolate. What do you mean abandoned and desolate, Jesus? Look down there. There's a million people down there. They're all here for the Passover. There's people everywhere. What do you mean the house is abandoned and desolate? The light's a home, but nobody's home. They're spiritually desolate. There's no life in you. You steal, you kill, you rob, you murder. He said, for I tell you this, you will never see me again until you say, blessed on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. You ain't going to see me again until you begin to understand I'm your blessing. You wonder why you don't get any answers from God? Because you think you're going to get your blessing everywhere else. You're doing all the rowing. You're trusting in other things. We wonder why God ain't in the schools. God ain't been allowed in the schools for 30, 40 years now. Question number six Why would you ever doubt that God's love is real? Some of you know, but some of you think, well, I I know he loves the world and he kind of loves me, but he don't love me a lot because of who I am, what I've done. 1 John 4 9 says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. In other words, he sent his best for us. In verse 10 it says, this is real love, say real love. Ain't you looking for some real love? You've been looking in all the wrong places until you found Jesus. Ain't you ready for somebody who's going to love you more than what you can do for them? Somebody knows all your thoughts and still loves you. Knows what you did, don't hold it against you. He loves you because of you. He loves you because of who he is. He can't help himself. He is love. This is real love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. He didn't come as a conquering king. He came as a sacrifice. That is love. That is love. You send your only son to die on the cross. You send your daughter, whatever children you have, send one of them to die on the cross, and, and then it's for the people that were hanging them on the cross, and you come back and tell me if that ain't real love. Question number seven. Why would we doubt he's the only way? Because Oprah said there's many roads to heaven. What road did Oprah take? Did she she take that road to Calvary for you? What road did Oprah take for you? Not to get on Oprah, but listen. (laughs) Too late now. Oprah's fine, but Oprah ain't telling you everything. Oprah don't know. Somebody need to tell Oprah something. Did Oprah ever lay down her life? Did did she tell you that I'm going to lay down my life, and in three days I'm going to rise up again and then prove it? When she does that, I'll believe Oprah. But until then, I'm believing Jesus. He's the only person ever come out the tomb. On his own volition said beforehand what he's going to do. I have the power to lay my life down, and I have the power to take it up again. No man takes it from me. How are you going to kill God? He laid it down. His resurrection is so powerful. When he come up out of the grave, the, the veil was torn. The rocks split apart, graves in the nearby cemetery busted open, and righteous men and women of old who had been in there, maybe bones come up out of there. And leaping, ran into the city of Jerusalem, shouting and glorifying God. Jesus said, "Did not I tell you that you would see the glory of God if you would just believe? Resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just believe. Turn to First Peter one. Y'all getting tired of getting excited about Jesus?" Whew! tell you what, if somebody makes the gospel boring, they ain't a very good communicator. My goodness, we got everything to work with here. You have to work real hard to make the gospel unexciting. You got to try real hard to make it sound like bad news. First Peter 1.3 says, all praise to God. All of it. Every bit of it. All praise to God. Praise the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. Oh, how many is excited about his mercy? Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. What's another way to say that? We live with great faith. Isn't that what great expectation is? You could say hope in there if you wanted to. It's great. It's a great expectation. We believe. Look at your neighbor and say, I believe. Now we live. It's not just about the sweet by and by. No, I got saved, yes, and I'm living my life until that sweet by and by. No, we live every day, day in, step by step with a great expectation, a great faith, and we have a priceless inheritance. Yeah, it's going to get better, but the kingdom of God is now an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your Faith. Listen to this part. Through your faith, God is protecting you. Yeah, there's treasures laid up in heaven. They're awaiting us. But don't you want to be protected in the here and now? Don't you want to be protected on the ride? You just want to go through the storm? You want to leave home early? Through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation. See, we're kept people. We are kept. He said, I hold you in my hand. Ain't nobody plucking you out. Just don't jump out. You still got a free will, you can jump out. Dummy. Dummy. What's that girl says? I ain't doing it or something? I ain't doing it. Ain't doing it. God is protecting. I, when I did that, I thought of her eyes when she did God is protecting you by his power till you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed at the last day for all to see. Everybody going to see what God has prepared for you. I hope you saved up some treasures when you get there. A few final questions, and we'll close. Are you seeing miracles in your life? Do you recognize them if you saw them? Are you believing for miracles? Are you just happy singing with Mary and the mourners? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to sing bass. Mama sang bass. (laughs) Daddy sang tana. (laughs) No. Is Jesus just another passenger in your boat? You still doing all the rowing, rowing yourself silly. What you going to do when the storm comes? What you going to do when they come for you, bad boy? <laughs> <laughs> the devil got you mesmerized. You're chasing fool's gold. Sin got a hold. <laughs> are you a doubting, Thomas, or are you a Betty believer? Thomas, dude, look at my hands. Put your fingers in there and see the holes in my feet. Reach over here in my side and see where I was pierced through the heart for you. Where every ounce of my blood was drained on that dusty ground for you. Come on, simple childlike faith is all we need. Jesus said if you can believe like a little child, the kingdom of heaven is made of such. He's not asking you to be a a theologian. You don't have to know everything. You've got to believe and operate in what you do know. Yes. Do know. That sounds good. Say, just believe. Yes. believe. Believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Believe he hears you. He feels you if you just reach out. If you just reach out, to just, if it's just a touch to him of his garment. He feels you. Have a practical belief that calls on him early. And calls on him often. Yes. Begin to trust him for everything in your life. That's building your faith muscles. Yes. Don't wait for the storm. Don't get distracted. Don't walk away sad. Put your believing in action and you'll always be gaining traction. Let his resurrection fuel your resurrection. Yes. Aren't you ready to get up out of the tomb? Yes. Aren't you ready to live in the fullness of the light that he has provided for you? John eleven forty, 40, Jesus responded, I did not tell you, did not I tell you that you would see the glory of God if you would just believe. And then in verse 41, which we haven't got to yet, so they rolled the stone aside. They believed. They rolled the stone aside. You know what the stone is? It's your doubt and unbelief. That's what's preventing the resurrection in your life. It's the only thing stopping you from coming out into the light. You know, we're called believers for a reason. A lot of us wish we were called achievers because that's what we're rowing for. We're rowing and rowing, trying to prove ourselves. Who are you trying to prove yourself to? Just do what God asks you to do. Mm-mm-mm. We're called believers for a reason. You know why? It's what we do, it's who we are. Just believe.
1: Thanks for listening to the podcast today.